everyone, and welcome to Dallas Hoops Fancast. I'm your host, Sydney, and I'm here with my co-host, Martin. Hey, guys. In this episode, we're going to talk about the last 10 games for the Mavericks because they've been really great. They've been playing well, and so I want to talk about what has been going right for them and then what part of that we think can last. Before we start with that, I want to make a completely selfish request. I did this on our last episode of, of GameCast. We're on currently um, in Apple Podcasts. We have 19 reviews. And I just think it would be awesome if we got to 30. And I know that's a totally selfish request, but if you feel so inclined to leave a review, if you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate it. I know you don't have to, um, but I would really appreciate it. And there's been some new ones lately. Thank you guys so much. But I just wanted to put that out there. It'd be cool if we got to 30. So if you can leave a review, whether you like the show or not, it'd be very much appreciated. We're actually... Um, in the coming weeks, we're going to be doing a giveaway, and um, I'll give you all the details on that in a future episode, but just keep your ears open for that in our next episode, and also if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see you'll see details there. I'm really excited about it, but we'll, we'll save that for the next episode. Um, but let's get started with this one. So the last 10 games, the Mavericks are 7-3. and three. They've had some really good wins in that stretch against the Celtics, the Nets, um, even the Thunder, I mean, even though they're not great, they held them to 78 points. The first time we played Yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> that was a really good win. The Spurs, that was kind of a hard-fought win. The, the Nuggets last night, that was, I think, probably the ceiling of what this Mavericks team can be. That was like prime Mavericks. Everything went right for them. Um, and so they've had some really great wins, a few bad losses, which we can talk about. But in that stretch, in the last 10 games, their 10th, in offensive rating, and even bigger than that, they're eighth in defensive rating. So what has stood out to you? Like, what has worked really well in the last 10 games? I know you um, want to talk about Denver because that was such a big win. What do you think has worked so well for the Mavericks that they've just gotten better at? Well, you've mentioned their defense, eighth in the league Mm -hmm. in the last 10 games. It's a small sample size, but during this stretch, they've won some ugly games. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't have said that about the Mavericks, even the early part of this season and all of last year. They just didn't win ugly games. If their shots weren't going in or if their offense wasn't humming and they weren't the number one offense in league history yeah. in that particular game, then they typically would find themselves losing it or maybe barely winning against a team that they should have won a lot yeah. by a lot more than. But in this stretch, they've had some really tough wins some of them low scoring you mentioned the first time they played the thunder they played them without luca but they beat them 87 78 which is like a 90s score yeah um and then the the celtics they held the celtics to 107 the grizzlies to 92 and that doesn't sound awesome but in today's league that's pretty amazing the spurs were held to 104 Mm -hmm. and in all of those games like the spurs and the Celtics and even the Grizzlies games, they were kind of ugly for long stretches. Their offense wasn't as humming as you know we saw them do in the past. And those would typically be losses for this team. But because their defense is better, 
then they're able to win them. And if you look even the previous four games, then the uh, Blazers, they they won four in a row before that Blazers loss. Mm -hmm. But they were 134 to 132, 127 to 122, 118, 117, 143 to 130. So they were winning straight on offense in those four. Yeah. But the last 10, there has been a much better emphasis on defense. Well, I think, like you said, just winning tough games. I mean, it's not like these are old school grind out games or like, you know, the Grizzlies in the earlier part of the, of, well, I guess not this decade, but in the 2010s, you know, it hasn't been like those sort of grind games, but for the Mavericks, like relatively speaking, they've done really well at playing games that have been close the whole game and then they pull away or maybe yeah. they're not shooting well and they win anyway or like Tim Hardaway Jr. in this stretch hasn't played well, but they've found ways to win and like going back to Last year and even previous seasons, that just they just didn't do that. Well, and I love the last two wins because they have played well mm-hmm. on defense. The Spurs are a good offensive team, and the Nuggets are a really good offensive team. The Nuggets have a better offensive rating this year than the Mavericks did last year, and the Mavericks broke oh, the record. Wow. So they held the Nuggets to 103. Now, there was a lot of contributing factors to that. That was a second night of a back-to-back for the Nuggets, who have been good on the second night of a back-to-backs. Yeah, but they were undefeated, right? Not well, maybe this year, but just okay. I was just going back over the last. They, they pulled up a, a stat. They were like twenty-seven and nine oh, over the okay. last fifteen, or last fifteen, the last three seasons. And then the Spurs game, one fifteen to one hundred four, you held them to. But in both of those games, at the very end, the last seven eight minutes, the Mavericks pulled away. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess in the the Nuggets game, it was a little bit sooner than that. But you see, they just they start to pull away a little bit. In that Spurs game, it was really Luka and Porzingis leading that charge of pulling away. And then in the Nuggets, it was Luka and Porzingis kind of icing it and putting it away so it didn't become a one-possession game with 30 seconds to go, which is what yeah. has been a problem for the Mavericks. But Luka and Porzingis lately in the fourth have been closing games out, and that's been one of my knocks on Porzingis is that in the fourth quarter, he hasn't been very good since we got him. But during this stretch, he's been really good. Do you think that it's more um, like Kristaps and Luka playing well together? Or is it just that Kristaps is doing better? Or maybe it's a combination of other things? I don't know. You know, like they, their little pick and pop game, they could do it all game long, and there would be no defense for it. Yeah. But for some reason, the Mavericks' offense goes away from the pop. Like, it's always drive it, drive it, drive it. Use Porzingis as a decoy. Mm-hmm. A spacer. Yeah, and it's like, it made me think of Nash and Dirk when they would do pick and pop. Nash would pass it to Dirk every time. It wasn't a question. Like, it just, they left Dirk, so you give it to him, yeah. and he <laughs> shoots it. And yeah. there was no, but wait. The lane might be open. It's like, no, if Dirk was open, Nash got on the ball. It's like Luka and Porzingis, they could do that all game, every game. And if you allow Porzingis to get confidence and in a rhythm to where he feels like that shot's going in every time, then that can just be such a dangerous weapon that they would have. Mm -hmm. But they just don't develop it. Yeah, so I talked about that because I had an epiphany during one of the games recently. And so the post game, I talked about how that frustration we have, how they never pass it to KP on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And I realized it's because in their system, they prioritize 
a layup because that's that's really the NBA nowadays is that first you want to try to get free throws and then a layup is the second most efficient shot and then a, a three-pointer is the third most efficient shot. So the Mavericks are trained like the thing that they want to get first is a layup if they can. And so they view Kristaps as a spacer, as somebody that opens up the lane for them. And so they look for that layup first. So like to me, I realize like it's not personal or it's not like they're not looking for him or like what are you know why are they not passing to him it's because they want the layup first which i think i mean there's nothing wrong with that i think it makes sense yeah i mean yes i i understand having a game plan Mm -hmm. but my problem and i and i love okay i won't say i love (laughs) i think carlisle's a good coach i don't want anybody else because there's no one else out there available that is better than carlisle Mm -hmm. but carlisle has a death grip on running the team he, he is that kind it's of it's almost like he feels like he needs to be out there playing like he <laughs> he didn't get to do that like enough when he was in a the player. paint directing yes, the plays yes <laughs> so he has such a death grip that he has to it's got to run the way he's designed it mm-hmm. and to me it takes away a lot of instinctiveness from players because now they're Whenever they and you, you see a lot with Porzingis and why he struggled so much in the Maverick system, because he can't play instinctively. He has to play. Okay, where am I supposed to be now? Yeah. And and Luca, I think instinctively would like to make that pass over to Porzingis, but he's here's Carlisle in his head. <laughs> Use Porzingis layup. as a decoy, and yeah. you get a layup. And, you know, as a 22-year-old, you get a free layup. Of course, he's going to do that every time. Yeah. But to me, I would want Luca to get – you need Porzingis. Mm-hmm. He's going to need Porzingis if they're ever going to go anywhere. So you're better off getting Porzingis confident and happy, especially early in the game. Yeah. So you can use him throughout the game. And I just think it takes away their instinctiveness – where the instinctive play would be to give it over to Porzingis wide open for a jump shot, but instead they play within that system, which is layup or whatever. And sometimes yeah. it's not open. I think like, so that's a good, that's a good way of, of explaining both sides of it is that if you just think about it in basketball terms, like a layup makes more sense than even a three pointer because it's an easier shot. It's a it's an extremely efficient shot. So it makes more sense. However, the other side of it is that Kristaps is your second best player. You need to get him going because yeah. you're going to need him. Well, and, and look, again, Carlisle is a good coach. But remember in 2011, I know mm-hmm. that was 30,000 years <laughs> ago now. But in 2011... What are you talking about? That was... That- <laughs> in 2011... Dirk, Jet, and Kid had to approach Carlisle early in that season and mm-hmm. say, hey, look, get out of the offense. Yeah. Let us go out there and play. And you had Jason Kidd. Why are you out there <laughs> controlling plays? plays? Yeah. Yeah. Let Kid run the game. Yeah. Like, Kid's such a great game manager and instinctive player. And when they did that, that's when they really took off. And you saw that in the playoffs. Now, mm-hmm. yes, Carlisle can from time to time, but yeah. he allowed the players to play. He just since then hasn't done that. And and even before that season, he didn't do that. He's always had a death grip on what the team is doing on the court. Yeah, I, I think like I can see both sides of it. But you know, another thing I wonder though, is that despite that being their system, I wonder if it is a little bit on the players because like one thing that Kristaps said after the Denver game um, they talk, asked him about how he's been playing better, and he said that 
it's just taken time for everybody to get used to playing together and for his teammates to get used to playing with him and knowing where his spots are and how to find him and how to get him the ball. So I wonder if like maybe that is the system, the layups and using using him as a floor spacer, but there might also be an element where the players just haven't figured out how to use him yet. Well, that might be true. And, you know, yeah. you, you got to give Porzingis, and I've been brutally hard on Porzingis, mm-hmm. and I admit that. And I I promise you, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I want Porzingis to be the guy that we all – I think yeah. we all do. I think that goes without yeah. saying. Yeah. But you got to give him credit after him always talking about he needs the ball more, he needs it in his spots, he needs it here and there. He has played better when you do that. Mm -hmm. And so, like, he needs to be more involved in the offense. And he just does. He has a case for that. And and I don't think anybody would argue against that. He doesn't get the ball enough in in places where he's comfortable. Or where he's open. Yes. And, yeah, and so I think that happens a lot. I just don't know if Carlisle – I don't think these players enjoy playing for Carlisle because Hmm. they're all young and they want to go out there and – play and run around and feel free and play instinctively. I think there's a balance where you can have them play that way, but also be well coached. And I don't know if Carlisle does that, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, in the last 10 games, Kristaps is averaging 21 points, nine rebounds. He's shooting over 53% mm-hmm. from the floor and almost 40% from the three-point That's what line. he's going to have to do because yeah. if you remember Dirk, Dirk would go such long stretches in a game without touching the ball. I know. And when he did, he had to make it because he, he got such few yeah, shots. he had to be efficient. And he shot over 50% from the floor, mm-hmm. uh, especially in 2011. Now, obviously, late in the game in the playoffs, they scratch our whole offense, yeah. <laughs> give Dirk the ball because that's yeah. what you're supposed to do. But um, he's going to have to be super efficient. And because he, you never know when he's going to get a shot and he's going to have yeah. to make it. He even said, so on Instagram, he had people ask him questions and somebody talked about how, um, he, like his shot selection, they didn't like his shot selection. And he said, you guys realize that I'm playing in a system and my job is to be a floor spacer and to get my guys open in the lane or if I'm not open to pass it to the open guy. And so I think like you said, like he's playing within the system and I think it's clear that he's not crazy about the system, but like you said, he's, he's trying to do his best. He's trying to get better when he tries to play in the system. Sorry. One one last thing is I think also he's, I guess maybe trying to do a good job of, playing within the system, but also demanding, like, I'm the second best player. Mm-hmm. I need the ball more often. It's a it's a really tough balance because, yeah, yeah. you know, Luca doesn't have to fight for that. No, no. Luca's <laughs> been given the keys to the car and yeah. basically said, go. Whereas Porzingis, he wasn't given that same freedom from the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And he was basically, he is in a system, whereas Luca is the, is system. the system. Yeah, yeah. so... It's got to be frustrating for him, but when you see him buy into it and really try to do it, you don't see him dribbling it as much, which is good. Mm -hmm. You don't want him dribbling. If he gets it, he doesn't have an open shot. He passes it, which is the way it's supposed to be. Um, But when he gets missed on open shots, that's got to be the most frustrating thing for him because it's like, I barely get shots. Mm -hmm. You can't miss me when I'm open. That's the whole reason I'm out here. 
Yeah. You know, so I I understand a lot of his frustrations. It can't be easy playing for Carlisle if you're not on Carlisle's A list. Like, yeah, or if he doesn't trust you. Yeah, and and yeah. let's. I don't think anybody would argue the fact Carlisle shows favoritism. He does. That's just all there is to it. And Porzingis doesn't get the freedom that Luca gets, or even Jalen Brunson gets. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think anyone that's played a game of pickup basketball knows what it's like to be wide open and not Never get, the, get ball the ball and have someone else jack up something mm-hmm. from their shoelaces, you know, like that's frustrating. And I think that, yeah, he's trying to, to balance that. Um, one thing, so you talked about, uh, ball move. Actually, actually, before I get to that point, there is one thing that I want to say about Kristaps and this might sound stupid, but. Um, so the other night or the other day, we were watching some games from the 2011 playoff run, which is, I'm kind of ashamed of that. Hey, because I, I'm not, was, I binged on that this weekend. Those. Yes. Well, you know, this is the 10 year anniversary of that. Yes. So that's yeah. why we were watching it. Oh, it is. It's oh, not okay. like we just Randomly. routinely oh. watch those games. Anyways, um, it's like. Kristaps gets compared to Dirk a lot because he's tall and he kind of plays the same way. But going back and watching those games of Dirk, this is going to sound obvious, but Kristaps is nowhere near the level of player that Dirk was. And I think maybe like sometimes, even if I don't say it, it's like, I wish Kristaps would just play like Dirk, you know, just make these post-up shots or these pull-up jumpers or these three-pointers. And it's like, even though he has the same style he is nowhere near the level of player that Dirk was. And I don't know, maybe I just feel like that had to be put out there. As well as Kristaps is playing, his ceiling maybe is a little lower than I would like. Who knows? He's still a great player. I just, you know, going back and watching those games, it's like, you know, he's just he's just not that player. Not right now. Like, yeah. look, I don't really know anymore. What Porzingis Who ceiling is. Yes, because yeah. sometimes you watch him play and you're like, this guy is not any good. Yeah. Let's trade him. Yeah. At the first moment we get trade him while the value is high. But then sometimes, like you've seen the last 10, ten games, games yeah. like, okay, this guy's a legit number two. Mm-hmm. He is. And maybe he can develop into making big shots when it matters most. Because unfortunately, to contrary to the way the Mavericks believe, the mid-range game in the playoffs becomes super important. Yeah. And he can be a real force for you in the playoffs when you only get mid-range jumpers because teams take away everything else. But he hasn't had an offseason. To, like, Dirk, to every offseason, yeah. went into the gym and mastered his craft. That's all he did. He lived in the gym. For what we hear, Porzingis, he does the same, but because he's had so many injuries. He's mastered rehab. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes, he's mastered rehab and not in a negative, like, but he hasn't had time to work on his game the way that Dirk has. So I don't really know what to believe about Porzingis anymore. I want him to be the unicorn. Yeah. And but sometimes you watch him and you're just like, God, what are you doing out there? Yeah. Well, in injuries, too, it's like last year he had an okay season definitely better towards the second half mm-hmm. and then he got to the bubble and he was like amazing and then he had the injury so then it was the same thing this year he started off poorly and now now is having he's getting back to himself i guess if this is who he is but you know is he going to be able to stay healthy and just continue the positive trend whereas it's kind of just been like this 
yeah. roller coaster of injuries. I, I would like for him to finish this season healthy, mm-hmm. have a whole off season to work on his game, shoot a thousand jumpers a day, whatever yeah. they do, yeah. and then start next season. Drink some Powerade. Yes, <laughs> start next year where he left off. Mm-hmm. And not have to wait two months to Start get him over, going. Yeah. yeah. So if we can do that, then and he can have a. If he just gets some seasons under his belt, then we'll really see who he is as a player. Yeah. Because I still think there's a lot of value in what he can bring, especially in the mid range. It's gonna come back to bite the Mavericks if they don't have some kind of mid range game. In my personal opinion, it's not gonna matter this year because they're not going anywhere. <laughs> but they're gonna need that yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just because we as Mavs fans saw Dirk for so long and Kristaps is so similar, we kind of instinctively put him in that same mold and he is just, it's just not. Well, not. It's not like, fair. Yeah, like, it's not fair. How many players in NBA history are an MVP, a finals MVP, 30, and 30,000 points? 30, points. Yeah. None. The, the only t- <laughs> players that have 30,000 points yeah. are probably the only ones yeah, on true. that category yeah. because it's such a rare category. What, there's eight of them? Yeah. There's only eight players in NBA history. So if Porzingis wasn't a Euro, then nobody would be comparing him to Dirk. Yeah, probably, yeah. So I like I know it sounds so stupidly obvious, and I don't really know what it means to put it out there into the universe, but I, I feel like... That, like, maybe expectations on both sides for people that say, like, you guys need to give Kristaps a chance and stop hating on, hating on him. And for the other side of people who do kind of hate on him sometimes, which I think we've done both of those yes. things. I think both sides, like, realize, like, he is he's not Dirk. So he's not great. He's not a superstar player. But he's also, he's never going to be that level where Dirk was. So just stop expecting that. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I just, yeah. I don't expect him to be Dirk. I yeah. just expect him to play well. Yeah, and, well, and stay healthy. Yeah, we just yeah. have too many games where, especially now, lately he's been better. Because what he's been in the past is in the fourth quarter and against high-profile opponents, he's been a non-factor. He hasn't mm-hmm. showed up, shown up. And you're seeing a little bit of difference over the last 10 games yeah. where against really good teams and in the fourth quarter, he's playing his best basketball. Mm-hmm. That's all we're asking from him. I'm yeah. not asking him to be Dirk. I just want him to play well when it matters, not against yeah. Cleveland where you get 38 <laughs> points or Pelicans. Yeah. I want you to do that against the Spurs, which he did, and against the Nuggets, which he did. That's when it matters. Yeah, and like the Mavs already have the Dirk. They have Luka. So Kristaps can be the the Robin guy, the guy that's not quite as good as that legendary player, but, you know, still a good sidekick. Yeah, I mean, at some point, there's going to be a series where it's not a good matchup for Luka. Mm -hmm. And Porzingis is going to have to carry the Mavericks. Mm -hmm. And he's going to have to do that. And that doesn't take away from him being, quote-unquote, the second guy. Because he's still he's gonna have to dominate like he would as a number one. You you saw it with the, the Blazers uh, a couple years ago when they faced Denver, and it was C.J. McCollum because Lillard couldn't get going. C.J. McCollum went out there and dominated the series to help them win to get to the next round. Yeah. So you're gonna need him when it matters at yeah. some point. Um. So another thing that I've noticed in these last ten games is their ball movement has been really really great. Just a couple of quick stats. Um, 
for in the last 10 games, they're averaging 21.7 assists. But for the season of just total passes per game, they're averaging 276.7 passes per game. That's 23rd in the league, so not good at all. But in these last 10 games, they're averaging 282 passes per game, which is 18th in the league. Mm-hmm. So still on the lower end, but I like to me just watching the games, you know, the reason why I pulled that stat is because just watching them, it seemed like their ball movement was so much better. And the numbers show that it is. And their last game against Denver was, again, like I said earlier, it was like the ceiling. This was like prime Mavericks. Their ball movement was amazing. They were making shots. Their three-point shooting in the last 10 games is almost 36% as a team. And that's another thing I've noticed is just moving the ball a whole lot better. I think Josh Richardson talked about that in his post-game interview. He said that they're learning to play for each other um, and use the talent. He was like, we have a lot of talented guys, and so we need to move the ball and make sure that everyone gets involved. And I was like, yes to the ball movement. It's been amazing, and I love it. Do you feel like there's a... Because I kind of had the same reaction you did about how they have so much talent. I was like, well, I mean, let's calm down here. Like, Well, what are they going to say? Yeah, but I was like, ball movement is great, but... I don't know, like maybe maybe it's hypocritical for me to say like, yes, we need more ball movement. This is amazing. But then on the other hand, to say like, ah, these players suck. They shouldn't be passing it to them. Like, I don't know. Is there a middle ground there or is it really just they need more ball movement, well, whoever the guys are? I mean, you need ball movement regardless. It would be nice to have better shooters out there because mm-hmm. how many wide open, especially Dorian. Dorian's got to be the worst in the league <laughs> when nobody's within 10 feet. Dorian is a great shooter. <laughs> uh, no, he's not. Like I mean, he he is not a great shooter. He he's an okay shooter. There to he's, be he's he doesn't having a, he, he's not as good as he was last year. Okay, but he doesn't shoot a contested 3. That's true. Yeah, that is and true. And so you would expect he would be like at least maxi at least 40% because none of them are contested. Whereas Maxi, yeah. he doesn't shoot a contested three either, but he makes 46%. He's a laser. That's what yeah. you want. And and so like they miss so many wide open three-point shots. So it would be nice if the ball movement happened, but then also you had better shooters out there taking the shots. But I will say, like I think it was against the Spurs where no one really played well. No one really shot well except Luka and Porzingis. And sometimes nights that's going to happen, and that's the benefit of having two stars, is that they can carry your offense when everybody else is kind of in a slump. Yeah, so Dorian last year shot 37.6%, which was way above his career average. This year, he's back down to 34, which is still his second highest percentage of his career, but... I mean, it's not great. It's not. Not for corner threes that are wide open. Yeah, and I'm trying to see. So on wide open where no one is within six feet, he is shooting 36%. It's terrible. Yeah, and on shots where he's open, there's a defender within four to six feet. He shoots. He makes 27% of those. It's not great. It's not. No, like you you definitely want a better shooter out there. But, yeah. you know, who else are you going to put? I think that's why you saw, I, I don't know if this is why or not, Carlisle has been real weird with his closing lineups, and it's basically mm-hmm. he's looking at the plus-minus of that game. 
Probably. And if you're in a negative, you're not going to see the fourth quarter. If unless you're in a positive, you're unless you're Dorian. Jalen Brunson. Or, or Jalen, yeah. yeah. Um, or, Dwight or Dwight Powell. Powell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he hasn't done that in a long time. Yeah. So He had 11 rebounds against the no, Nuggets. That's a miracle. Is yeah. that a career high? I don't think so. Mm, it was great. close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's, I mean. So the ball movement like, I think, you, like you said, you need that regardless. And mm-hmm. so it is great, and it's beautiful, and it's leading to... Better offense. To more... I don't mean more better, as in... More not, better? Not, not, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. But what I mean is, like, you're getting a higher quantity of good shots. And so maybe these guys are not the knockdown shooters that you would need on, like, a championship team, but you're giving them more of mm-hmm. those open shots, so you're gonna they're gonna make more of those, and so yeah. it's leading to and, this better offense. You're, you're not they're asking, doing the best with yeah. what they can, basically. You're not asking Luca to carry the offense every single night. Exactly. Like, yeah. He's had two games in a row now that that he played. Um, he wasn't the leading scorer. Mm-hmm. It was Porzingis, and honestly, I'm not that mad about that. Like, I I wouldn't mind. Where Luca wasn't the leading scorer every single night. I think he's going to be the leading scorer on the team just because he's so good. But yeah. there's got to be nights where Clay Thompson leads the team in scoring yeah. instead of Steph. You know, and in this case, Porzingis. It'd be nice if he can carry the offense for a couple weeks if he's hot. You yeah. know, just feeding him. Yeah. Um. Another player who's been. I mean, good in this stretch. I was going to say very good, but Josh Richardson is averaging 15 points. Three and a half rebounds, three and a, three assists, and he's shooting at thirty four and a half percent on three pointers. So I mean, fifteen points, relatively speaking, that's not great. But he was averaging like I think less than thirteen for the mm-hmm. season. So I mean, he's been solid. In and this his stretch. shot is better. better. It's not great, yeah. but it's better. And yeah. if you can be around thirty five percent, that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Earlier, what he was doing was just terrible. But you still need him defensively. That's why mm-hmm. I think he's out there. Um, you just. You don't want to re- rely on Richardson offensively because yeah. there's going to be games where he gets nothing for you because he's just not that kind of player. And really, when he gets you those points, it's a bonus more than anything. It's not part of your offense. Well, and that's one reason why they need to use Kristaps more the way that yes. they have lately because otherwise, Kristaps isn't really your second best player. It's like maybe Josh Richardson or Jalen Brunson, and that's just not good enough. So well, it doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, so right now they're using Kristaps like he actually is their second best player, and he is their second best player. So now Josh Richardson getting 15, you're like, whoa, that's amazing. And they, you know, yeah. they win all these games, whereas well, before it's like crap. That's another knock I have on Carlisle is he doesn't adapt to his personnel. Mm. You know, like we talked about that all the time, like, He's got Porzingis, oh, and instead yeah. of adapting to what Porzingis is good at, he he's going to force Brunson and Richardson and Dorian to handle the ball, yeah. and and jack us and and just have Porzingis standing there in the corner. And it's like, why don't you just adapt it a little bit? You know, with Rondo, he, he didn't, didn't adapt. Of course, he didn't want that to work, <laughs> so he was going to yeah. personally sabotage it. As soon as they trade Rondo, they go into next year. We got to slow it down. I was like, why didn't you slow it down with we Rondo? Because yeah. that's his game. Yeah, Carlisle, I, I think we've talked about this before. He has a system, and that is what he does. Like, that is the system. And these players, like, you better fit it or not. But, like, this is how I'm going to use you. Um, that's I, why we need Kid to come in and be <laughs> like, dude, stop. let me do this. Um, 
One player that hasn't played well, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's only averaging 14.5 points and shooting about 31% on three-pointers. I don't expect that to last. Well, his three-point shot hasn't been dropping, but he's still been a factor because he's driving it a lot more. He's hitting his mid-range jumper. He's had like 10 dunks dunks in these last 10 games. The most he's had the entire time he's been with the Mavs. So I really like the fact that he's still finding ways to be effective. He's getting charge calls. Like he's actually being a contributor, even Mm -hmm. though his three-point shot isn't falling, which is really, it's a great thing. Like honestly, if the Mavericks can get that from Hardaway and then when his three is falling, awesome, because then he can go off and get you 35. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about several things during this um, stretch of 10 games. We talked about Kristaps coming around and the way that they're starting to use him. We talked about the defense, their ball movement, Josh Richardson doing much better as a scorer, and then Tim Hardaway Jr. doing all these other things, even though his shot isn't falling. To me, this is like the Mavericks are, everything is clicking on all cylinders, and this is prime Mavericks for what this current team can do. My question is, is this just it for the rest of the season? Do you think all of this can last, or do you see some things that are kind of like an anomaly and maybe won't last? I mean, it all depends, in my opinion, on Porzingis. Is this the Porzingis we can get for the rest of the year? If we can get a reliable Porzingis for the rest of the year, then this would be a, a really good team, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if he can be on the same level as the other number two guy on some of these other teams, like if he can be at a Paul George level or he can be at an Anthony Davis level or name another two, Jamal, Jamal Murray. Murray, he yeah. can be better than Jamal Murray. Like, I, I, I would tell you right now, I don't think the Nuggets would want to face the Mavericks in the playoffs. It's just such a bad matchup for them. Yeah. Um, because they can't, they don't have an answer really for Luka. And if Porzingis is playing, which he hasn't played a lot against the Nuggets, um, if he can be that guy, then this team can be pretty good. I don't think they're ceiling, they're not top four like they were projected to be. Yeah. But we can get out of this play-in tournament, which I, I, the more the play-in tournament gets closer and closer, the more I don't like it. It's not fair to the teams that earned that playoff spot. Let's say the team that is eighth goes 45 and 38, whatever a normal record is. And the, the ninth seeded team is 36 and 46, and they beat them in that one game play. It's not fair because that team earned that spot. So anyways, I want to, I want to get out of that. I want to get to sixth. Yeah, I so I've talked about the play-in tournament. I also hate it. I was wrong. I think um, depending on your seed, it's not a one-game round. I think it's maybe like two. It's, it's more than one game. So my understanding on that was wrong. But same concept. It's like you fought for that spot the entire mm-hmm. season, and then with one ter- the play-in tournament, it's just gone for a team that didn't play well yes. the entire yeah. season. And so to me, it's like, why would I fight so hard if I can just win in the play-in tournament? Yep. You know. Well, and it's like, there's got to be some kind of standards. Like the the team in ninth place has that to be within think, a certain amount of games. I think they have to be within four games. Is oh, they that do. Right? Or okay. was that just you know what we? Should, I thought that was just last year. I should not talk about things that I don't know about. But well, yes, anyways, I, we I both don't like hate it. the play-in tournament. Um, but I, I think the Mavericks, they they have a important four-game stretch with Clippers, Clippers, Blazers, Blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their schedule, especially late in the year, yeah. is the easiest in the league. If they can get through these four games, even at 500, 
they should be able to climb the standings over the remaining couple months of the season. Yeah, the only problem with the rest of the schedule is that there's nine remaining back-to-backs, so automatically that's like nine losses. Well, let's hope they value winning. Yeah, I mean, let's hope they value winning because do you want to be the eighth seed or the sixth seed? I mean, I feel like you would want to be the sixth seed. I'm sorry you have to sacrifice two games for Luka to play. It's just, it's so, I don't, don't get my blood boiling (laughs) on that situation. Um, Okay, so then if we're thinking longer term, you know, evaluating the team during this stretch, have you seen Anything from the players that make you think that this particular guy should be part of the Mavericks' long-term future? I mean, obviously, Luka and Kristaps. I mean, I really do think Richardson would be a part of the long-term future, but his role would be diminished. Like, he does have a lot of value as a defensive pest out there that can hit an open three. He can make plays. Yes, and, and occasionally he can make a play, but he needs to be, like, your worst best player. Your fourth best player. Yeah, on your starting lineup. They have those three guys. The gap from Luca and Porzingis to the yes, the rest of the starting three is so far. They need one more high-profile quality player on that starting lineup to yeah. really take them over the top. And I think it's got to be an upgrade on the Dorian spot. Yeah, I, I think I said in our uh, some previous episode of GameCast is that they have the right... Um, kind of position guys, the the yeah. Dorian, the Maxi, the Josh Richardson, the things that they do are perfect in those roles, and you need players that do exactly those things, but just better. Mm-hmm. Like every player needs to be like a level better, and I think the Mavericks they've worked so hard to develop Dorian into what he is now, and Maxi into what he is now, and and different, you know, Brunson and all these different guys, but. You know, I just wonder, like, have some of these guys reached their ceiling and it's just not good enough? You know, that maybe oh, they I, need a diminished role. Well, actually, no, I know that they need it. That is yes, definitely true. Absolutely, 100%. I'm just going to own it. These guys yes. need diminished roles. Yes. Yeah. And and look, you, you can only have so many of those players on your starting lineup. Yeah, yeah. You, you, usually, you can get by with two of them. And in this case, to me, that would be Maxi because of his defense and his three-point shooting. And his versatility. Yes, and Richardson because of his defense. Yeah. Really, that's it, just his defense. If he makes his shots, great, but yeah. I don't want him out there to make shots. I want him out there to guard the other team's point guard. Yeah. And so to me, that's an upgrade. If you can get a massive upgrade on that Dorian spot, on that three-yard or that third, third wing, then yeah. this team – could be contenders. Yeah, I would agree. I think if Kristaps can continue this level of play and stay healthy, and obviously you've got Luka, if you can just get that that third wing guy. In today's NBA, you don't need a big three. So it's not like it needs to be an you just all-star need to have even. Good but just, players. Yeah, just like a third solid player. And then, yeah, if if your other guys are Maxi or Josh Richardson, or if, you know, some other combination mm-hmm. that's Dorian and, and one of those Every guys. Every team has those guys. Yeah, but yeah. just, I think right now they have too many of them. Because that's that's just the starting lineup. And then you have, like, Trey Burke coming off the bench. And these other guys coming off, they were, like, not even I in mean, the NBA. I, you know? I, I would say I, I like um Jalen and Hardaway off the bench if you can get another key bench guy uh, a veteran perhaps who a can big man hit shots yes yeah. Al Horford um <laughs> to back up Porzingis and then yeah. can also play well now Horford it's too late for that whole thing because he's got too many years on his contract he's, he's too old, old. Yeah. but if you had done it to start the season I would have been really happy with that but it is what it is they but don't that, listen to that us. quality of player a yeah. quality big man 
veteran who has got a lot of playoff experience but, but can still play yes not, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. A, not, not, not a james a, johnson yeah not a veteran that's not a just Boban. wise yes. like obviously that has value but a guy that can guys play basketball. that can also yes. score yeah points mm-hmm. um yeah and i mean like you know once the season ends we're obviously going to dive into that a lot more once free agency rolls around and who should still be on this team but just you know, if this is the height of the Mavs' powers this season, and if they can continue it, then we can start looking at, like, actually evaluating these mm-hmm. players. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. They have a really tough stretch coming up. Those two games against the Clippers, and then again two against the Blazers. We'll, I mean, I mean, we'll see. I think they they have a good shot. I mean, the the Clippers will be on the second night of a back to back. I'll be curious. Oh, I didn't their see their first game. It's their second game. So tonight they play. Oh, so the the first time the Mavericks play them is the Clippers on a second night. Yes. Okay. And so the Clippers play tonight, and then they play tomorrow against the Mavs, whereas the Mavs are off tonight. And I didn't see if the Clippers were playing all their starters tonight, um, but we can check that. And then I'll be curious to see, because if any team does load management, it'll be the Clippers. True. And I'll be curious to see, because if the if the Porzingis, if the Porzingis I don't know where I'm going with that, if the Clippers... <laughs> decide to do load management and the Mavericks win that game. I don't care. I don't care that the the Clippers bench their guys. We need the win because of the stretch that we have coming up. So I'll I'll do you have it up? Well the game hasn't started yet, even though it's supposed to have started at eight, but it's on ESPN so it's not starting till eight thirty. Yeah. Um I think according to this Kawhi Leonard is playing. I'm not sure if who, Paul who are they playing? Is play. The Pelicans. So I'm curious then to see, because I, I would assume that they would sit during the Pelicans and yeah. play during the Mavs, but I guess they decided or not to do that. Or maybe play and get the sure win against the Pelicans and then sit That would be what Mavs. a smart team would do <laughs> instead of turning a scheduled win into yes. a scheduled instead loss. Instead of making both games hard, just, just make one of them yes. really easy. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but I, I think they can play the Clippers well. The Clippers aren't... The Clippers lack guard play. They don't have a good point guard. They are so dependent on Kawhi and Paul George making yeah, shots. They don't have a good point guard, yeah. And w- I mean, and if Kawhi and Paul George aren't making shots, they're just not a very good team. So uh, I'll, I think we'll play well against them, and we always play well against yeah, Portland. it's always a close game. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but at least they'll have a chance have to a win. Have a chance, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and against Portland, I think they have a real chance. I, I just don't believe in Portland's record. I, I don't believe in Port. I didn't believe in them last year. I said before the season started that they wouldn't make the playoffs. They you were wait. they. I think they made the playoffs. They did not make the. They no, did wait, not. No, no, they did. I'm sorry. Okay, they lost they, in the first round. Yeah, yeah. But they were like the third seed the year before, and I was like, that's just not going to happen again. I don't think they're just. I just don't think they're that good. They're 22 and 15. So if the Mavericks. When, let's say they happen to win both of those games, yeah. the Mavericks would move up to like sixth. Hmm. Yeah. So if they can find a way to win these games, by some miracle they go 4-0, which is not going to happen. Yeah. It's just not realistic. Yeah. But by some miracle, then I think they would jump up in the standings. All we want to do is get out of that seventh spot. Yeah. Move up one game. Honestly, you could look at it as a crucial stretch because you're playing tough opponents and it'll reveal a lot about you. And if you can win those games, that'll build confidence. Or... 
you could look at it as the rest of the schedule is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So let's just whatever. If we win or lose these games, let's just get through it and then win all these easy yeah, games. Yeah, and, and if you, you lose, know. it's okay to lose. These are good teams. It's how you lose. Yeah. Did you lose because you played like a bunch of doofuses? Or and did you lose Chris because... Chris went back to, yeah. you know. <laughs> or did you lose because they just happened to make more shots at the end? You were yeah. executing, they just didn't drop. Yeah. That's the kind of losses that you want. Not the ones where you make boneheaded plays and just give the game away. Yeah. Um... Okay, great episode. I enjoyed that. Very oh. nice discussion. Thank you, Martin, for joining me this evening. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, it's over. Uh, I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't have anything else to talk about. I was going to bring up the topic of trade predictions, but I think we all know what's going to happen. Nothing. Nothing. So, now, I mean, they might make a deal, but I I don't think so. Yeah, yeah they're really big on the cap space. Um <laughs> So, um, anyway, thanks guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, remember, we post all these episodes on our YouTube channel. So if you want to go there and leave your comment on anything we talked about, you can do that. The channel is Dallas Hoops Cast, or you can tweet me on Twitter. I am at underscore Sydney Myers. And remember, you probably want to follow me because I'm going to announce that giveaway pretty soon. So just make sure that you don't miss it by following me and then listen to our next episode here. Thanks guys for listening, and we will Jeez, see you guys in the next ever. episode. Adios. What I don't understand is... Or not. Since Embiid is out, why don't they start Dwight Howard? Who is this Bradley guy? Tony Bradley. I'm sorry. If I'm Dwight Howard, I'm upset. A guy averaging four points and four rebounds is getting the start over you while Embiid is out. I mean, he's young. Yes, but come on. Dwight Howard, have some respect for the man for crying out loud. He is still a that dominant is... force on the defensive side. I didn't realize they were doing that. Yeah, I just noticed it the, yeah. just now, and I'm like, what in the world are they doing? Well, maybe... Maybe nothing. <laughs> like the, They're overthinking yes, it. Yes, just yeah. put Dwight they Howard in Carlisle. there. Yes, yeah. yeah. Let's or, make it more complicated or than Carlisle. it is. Yes, let's not play basketball. Let's play (laughs) Carlisle Ball. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.